At our earliest roots, we gathered, recognizing Christ as our Savior, our Healer, Baptizer, and Coming King. From that foundation, this Pentecostal fellowship began. Our early days were formed as individuals responded to the Spirit's leading. These included the son of a former slave who preached in an old stable, a female healing evangelist and urban missionary, a real estate agent who held meetings in his home, and a young man who strapped his Bible to his plow while working the fields, memorizing and reciting entire chapters of scripture at a time. Ordinary, everyday people in many ways, but full of faith, seeking for more of what God had for them. They were history makers, legacy builders, groundbreakers, men and women who took the gospel where the Holy Spirit led them to go. Our charter forming the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada was signed in 1919, and decade after decade, the Lord's work has gone forward. Six Bible colleges were established between 1925 and 49. We are presently training over 700 students. Eight Pentecostal camps were formed in the 30s and 40s, and thousands have come to faith and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in those settings. In the middle of the last century, gospel boats took the good news to isolated communities along the B.C. coast and prairie lakes. Planes like Wings of the Gospel helped us reach into northern Ontario, Quebec, and Manitoba. Sunday schools were birthed to systematically disciple all ages and laid a foundation for the growth of youth ministries and many local church congregations. Numerous missionary families were sent out from among us, including Bill and Lillian Cornelius, who served in Kenya for over 20 years. In the early 80s, they returned to Canada, and Bill led our overseas missions department. Today, his son Murray serves as our POC Family International Missions Director. They are just one of many families where the torch for mission and ministry has been passed down from one generation to the next. Through Crusaders, Christ's Ambassadors, Bus Ministries, and various team outreaches and missions programs over the years, we have invested strongly in discipling the next generation. This is still our heart and focus today. In 1983, Erdo was formed. Today, over 8,200 children are sponsored. Clean water flows in thirsty communities, nutritious meals are provided, and entire communities are impacted. Through the good work of Erdo, we are able to respond when crisis strikes. Globally, we are active in 77 countries. And through our work and partnerships, we have seen over 50,000 churches planted and 35,000 leaders trained and released to pastor over 12 million people. We extend our reach through more than 340 global workers and a growing Mission Canada team, tracking towards 40 workers by 2020 to reach unique gaps in our nation. We are thankful for the faithful commitment of 1,200 affiliated assemblies, church plants, satellites, and missional initiatives who call the POC family. We minister to more than a quarter of a million Canadians each week in 39 languages. Over 13,000 have come to Christ in this past year. More than 5,600 were baptized in water and over 3,100 received the infilling of the Spirit. We have been and continue to be a family that believes in the power of Jesus to save, baptize, and heal. We are people who provide witness to the miraculous ways God is changing lives. And all of this brings us to this moment today. Today, we, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, acknowledge God's faithfulness. We celebrate 100 years. We reflect on God's goodness to us. What began with a small group of people seeking for the Holy Spirit to move has developed into a far-reaching fellowship that is impacting the globe. But we are not satisfied with where we are. We do need the Holy Spirit to convict hearts, change lives, and empower people today like never before. We have set a vision that cannot be reached by our efforts alone. We are hungry for God to move in new ways and new places among different people groups. We are asking him to move among our children and youth, the generation that needs to experience the supernatural power of God at work. 
We picture a future where Jesus Christ is lifted high in every community so all can know and experience his power and presence. Today we commemorate, we reflect on all God has done, yet there is no greater way to acknowledge his faithfulness on this 100th anniversary than to seek for a fresh visit of the Spirit in our churches, our homes, in our communities, across our nation, and for our world. Let's unite today in prayer as challenged by our General Superintendent, David Wells, and ask God to pour out His Spirit on us once again, as He did at Pentecost. Spirit, come. Fill us. Change us. Influence us in such a way that we would live out our faith every day in a way that is vibrant and alive. Help us to stand firm on Your Word, passing it from one generation to another. Challenge us to speak life into our desperate situations. Empower us to go to those around us and to the far-reaching corners of the world, making disciples, baptizing those who follow you, and teaching this world your ways. Visit us with that power of Pentecost once again, that we may boldly serve you and proclaim your name until you return. How many people are ready for God's Word? Come on, how many people are ready for God's Word? I want to give a shout out, welcome to our online church, people, city, our nation, around the world that have joined in this morning. I want you to pull out your sermon notes. They are on the back of the bulletin. And today, I want to give to you and I want to unpack some biblical teaching on understanding spirit baptism. And so I'm just going to kind of read the menu this morning, God's Word. And then I'm going to kind of set the table, if you will. Then I'm going to ring the dinner bell, if you will. And we're just going to believe that the Holy Spirit would pour out over this place today. So let me read to you the menu. And I want to invite you to to journey with me through some scriptures today and then to conclude with some application. And the first scripture I want to read to you is found in an Old Testament prophetic book, Joel chapter 2, specifically verse 28 and verse 29. God is speaking through this prophet Joel and said, and afterward, sometime down the way, afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now, the ancient Hebrew text doesn't say all people. It says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. It's like God was saying through Joel, there will come a time I will pour out my spirit and I will smother flesh with spirit supernatural will cover the natural. God is speaking through Joel. Afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Note this, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. It's not just for the adults, it's for the children. It's not just for the male, it's for the female. You must understand that this was a novel teaching because in that day, in that culture, the Spirit would only come upon certain kings, certain prophets at certain times. But we don't live in an Old Testament understanding. We live in a New Testament understanding. Jesus, the better way, came and died on a cross for our sins, ascended to the heavens, sent the Holy Spirit. And Joel had a glimpse of this and said, afterward, God will smother flesh, smother the natural with the supernatural. And it's for your sons and your daughters. This is your moment to say amen. Come on, a little audience interaction. Somebody say amen. He said here in our text, your old man will dream dreams and your young man 
will see visions. Guys, how do you know if you're old or young? Are you a visionary or a dreamer? In essence, what the Spirit does when it smothers you, it changes your perception of what you see. He says in verse 29, even on my servants. I mean, it wasn't just for the rich or the poor. It was for all mankind, all gender, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. The first thing I want you to notice is that the Pentecost, the outpouring of Holy Spirit, was prophesied by Joel. I want to take you now in the New Testament to Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, very quickly. I want to read to you a verse about a really unique guy named John the Baptist. Wore funny clothes, ate strange food. And he's a guy that clothed himself with camel's hair, had a leather belt, he was cool, round his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John the Baptist, I mean, Joel prophesied it, but here John the Baptist, John the Baptist preached it. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who's more powerful than I. Who's he talking about? Jesus. He said, his sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. In other words, Jesus was greater than John the Baptist. He said, he, referring to Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Hold on to that word, fire. Joel prophesied it. John the Baptist preached it. And John said, John said, I baptize you with water into repentance, but there's someone coming, Jesus. I mean, I'm not even worthy to even carry his sandals, but he will baptize you with or in the Holy Spirit and fire. And, and the Greek word baptize comes from a Greek word, baptizo. How many people like Greek food? I like Greek food. Black olives, Greek cell. Come on, any lovers of Greek food, lift up your hand. You are the best. Little Greek word, we're going to say it together, baptizo. Everybody say baptizo. Baptizo, come on. All ten of you, God bless you. One, two, three, baptizo. One, two, three, baptizo. You are fluent Greek. Way to go. Baptizo means to be totally immersed. It was actually a Greek word that was used for ships that sunk. In other words, a ship that sunk was totally immersed in water. And they would often say when a ship sunk in those days, baptizo. And so John the Baptist was talking about Jesus who will fully immerse you, saturate you, cover you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Joel prophesied it. John the Baptist preached it. Now let's go to Luke chapter 24. Because in Luke chapter 24, we learn what John the Baptist preached and what Joel prophesied Jesus actually promised. Look at verse 49 of Luke chapter 24. Jesus was with his disciples and said, I'm going to send you what my father has promised. I mean, what Joe prophesied, John the Baptist preached, Jesus promised. He said, my daddy promised it, and I'm going to send what my father promised. But stay or remain in the city, tarry in the city, Jerusalem, until you've been clothed with power from on high. Joel said he's going to pour out a spirit. Jesus said he's going to clothe you with power. In other words, you will be smothered and covered with Holy Spirit. In other words, the supernatural will, will cover the natural. Pour out, smother, or cover all flesh. This is something that Jesus promised. Look at verse 53. He said, and they stayed, this is what Luke said, they stayed continually at the temple praising God. 
Here's what happened. Jesus comes, dies on a cross, raised to life. He's now alive, and for 40 days, he made these resurrection appearances as recorded in God's Word. After 40 days, he's on the Mount of Olives, and he ascends to the heavens. He was saying, I must ascend so that the Holy Spirit would descend. And for 10 days, a bunch of disciples tarried in Jerusalem, and we're about to read, they lingered in an upper room, a borrowed upper room, waiting for what Joel had prophesied about, what John the Baptist had preached, and what Jesus had promised. They were waiting to receive. So let's go now to Acts chapter 1, and let me read to you some verses from Acts chapter 1. I'm just reading the menu today. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and verse 5, it tells us, Dr. Luke gives us the record of the early church, verse 4, one occasion, while he was eating with them, he's eating food with the disciples, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Verse 5, for John baptized with water, but in a few days... You will be baptized, you will be immersed, you will be clothed, you will be poured upon, you will be covered with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Here's my favorite verse, verse 8. I couldn't wait to read this verse. But you will receive power. Come on, everybody say the word power. One, two, three. Power. Come on, we can do better. Everybody say power. One, two, three. Power. Let me give you another Greek word. The Greek word for power is dunamis. We get the word dynamite. And Jesus says, hang on in Jerusalem, wait there, and you will receive dunamis power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And Luke uses a very unique Greek word, epi, E-P-I. And epi was a chosen Greek word that speaks of the Spirit coming upon you. Now, I don't have time to give you all the teaching this morning, but the Apostle Paul writes to a church in Corinth and to a church in Rome and teaches us that when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit regenerates you. And here's another word, the Holy Spirit indwells you. When you became a follower of Christ, you got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Don't let anybody tell you different. The Holy Spirit is in you. So much so that Paul says, don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Your body, you are a body, soul, and spirit. And when you become a believer, the Spirit indwells you. But Dr. Luke uses a unique word, epi. Everybody say epi. One, two, three. Epi. And he's talking about the Spirit that's now in you is the Spirit that comes upon you. Joel is the guy that prophesied it. He's the guy that says, afterwards, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. The supernatural will smother the natural upon your sons and your daughters. It's going to change your perception. It's going to go upon the boys and the girls. Come on, church. It's going to go upon all mankind. And then John the Baptist begins to preach it. He says, there's one coming after me. I'm not even worthy to carry his sandals, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem until you've been clothed with power from on high and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Put it back on the screen, verse 8, please. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Before witnessing becomes a verb, it is a noun. 
You become a witness before you witness. He said, you receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses where? Jerusalem, that's our Ottawa. And in Judea and Samaria, that's our Canada. And to the ends of the earth, it's around the globe. God wants to do something in us so he can do something through us. And when his Spirit comes on us, it's not just for us to receive, but it is for us to give. Allow me to read to you now verse 12 down to verse 15, Acts 1. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives. They had just watched Jesus ascend. And they make what's called a Sabbath day walk from the city. And they go to Jerusalem. Look at verse 13. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. It was a borrowed upper room in Jerusalem. Who was there? Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas, the son of James, the disciples. Verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer. What were they doing for those 10 days? They were constantly praying along with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus and Jesus' brothers were there for the first Pentecost. Look at verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up Among the believers, a group numbering about 120, 120 in a borrowed upper room, 10 days, waiting for the outpouring of what Joel prophesied, waiting for what John the Baptist preached about, and waiting for what Jesus promised. Come now to Acts chapter 2. Oh my goodness, this is my favorite scripture to read, because here... Pentecost had come and gone. The feast of Pentecost had come and gone many times. But on this particular Pentecost, something happened 50 days after the Passover, after Jesus died, after that first Easter, 50. Penta means 50. 50 days afterward. Look at this. When the day of Pentecost came, this is the first one, chapter 2, they were all together in one place. I mean, that doesn't just teach us they were physically together in one place. The verbiage of the original Greek teaches us that they were in unity together. Thus, one translation says they were in one accord. It wasn't a Honda Accord, folks. They were in unity together, waiting for the Holy Spirit. Verse 2 starts with the word suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. One, two, three. Suddenly. Unexpectedly. All of a sudden, suddenly, there's a sound. The blowing of a violent wind that came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. Remember John the Baptist said, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. What happened on that first Pentecost is they literally saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separate. It came to rest on each of them. The King James says there was a cloven tongue of fire for each of the 120 in that upper room. There was a flame for everyone. Church, there's an experience for everyone in this room today. And Jesus wants to pour out his Holy Spirit. Look at verse 3. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. The Greek word used here is glossolalia. I know. Get your tongue around it. We're going to say it together. Glossolalia. One, two, three. Glossolalia. Say it again. Glossolalia. And the Greek word means an unlearned language. Unlearned. Never heard it before. I know when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, my unlearned language was a heavenly language. 
I mean, here we read that some of them began to speak in an other unlearned earthly language, an unlearned language. All of them were filled. Holy Spirit began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. It wasn't man talk. It was God talk. It was inspired spirit speech. Jump down, please, to verse 14. Peter stood up with the 11, and he raised his voice, and he addressed the crowd. Church, what was going on here? He had experienced an outpouring of Holy Spirit. He was now, in the natural, covered with the supernatural. Now the Spirit had smothered flesh. Now the anointing of the Spirit was on Peter, and now there was a boldness and a confidence that he never had before. This is the guy who had denied Jesus three times. You know the story. This is the guy that sometimes wavered and kind of vasculated from one way to the other. Now with a Holy Spirit confidence and boldness, stood up, raised his voice, addressed the crowd. He said, fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you. Listen carefully to what I say. He's now explaining what had happened. He said, verse 15, these people are not drunk as you suppose. Why did he say that? Because in the verses before, some thought that they were crazy because it looked like they were drunk. And Peter says, no, it's only nine in the morning. Look at verse 16. I love this. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now church, look this way. Peter did not scribe the message. Holy Spirit gave him the words. He got up and preached under a spirit anointing and explained what had happened. All of a sudden, it came together. Yeah, this is what Joel prophesied. This is what John the Baptist preached. This is what Jesus has said to us many times. This is what was talked about by the prophet Joel. In the last days, he will pour out a spirit upon all flesh and upon your sons and your daughters. And there was such an anointing that day. Jump down to verse 40. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Just a thought. If we had a Pentecostal encounter like they had in Acts chapter 2, and 3,000 people got saved today, I'm just saying, somebody just might be sitting where you sit next Sunday morning. Anybody be pumped if 3,000 people came to Christ today? Come on in. Anybody be excited if 3,000 people came to Christ. Come to Acts 4, verse 31. I wish I had time to walk you through Acts 3, because in Acts 3, all of a sudden, this baptism, this immersion, this outpouring of Holy Spirit becomes a gateway to the supernatural. And Peter and John go to a temple. There's a lame guy there. I don't have any money. Silver, gold, and I don't have but In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And cool things were happening in the supernatural realm. Church, cool things happen in the supernatural realm when we open ourselves to an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then they end up in jail. I mean, they end up in jail. Then they get out of jail. And then they end up in a prayer meeting. Look at verse 31, Acts 4, 31. After, after they prayed, the place where their meeting was shaken. Literally, there was a physical manifestation because the Spirit of God was moving in their prayer meeting. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I find that interesting. Peter was already filled with the Holy Spirit, but now he gets another outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 
And I say that because I was 12 years old when I got baptized with the Holy Spirit. But every day I get up, I want a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit on my life. I need, and you need, and we need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you why. Look at the screen. I hope it's still up there. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. Holy Spirit anointing changes us to speak God words with more boldness and confidence. I want to take you to Ephesians 5, verse 18, very, very quickly. Ephesians 5, verse 18, Paul is writing to a church in, in Ephesus. Now, I didn't put verse 15, 16, and 17 on the screen. I'm going to read verse 18 in a moment, but you got your Bible. Verse 15, he tells us to be wise in how we live. And then in verse 16, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And then in verse 17, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Paul is calling the church in Ephesus to live a wise life and a godly life and know the will of the Lord. And then in verse 18, it's on the screen, do not get drunk on wine. I wonder if he was thinking back to what happened in Acts chapter 2. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the verb tense that is used here, note this, means keep on being filled with the Spirit. Whether you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit or you have been, all of us today need a fresh outpouring of Holy Spirit on us. Is there a witness in the house today. How many people believe we need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Let me read to you a few more verses. Come now to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. I want to read to you Acts chapter 8, verse 14 down to verse 19. I'm just reading the menu. Acts 8, 14 and 19. When the apostles in Jerusalem, this is verse 14, heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God. There was a group of believers in Samaria. They'd accepted the word of God. That's one way of saying they became believers. They sent Peter and John to Samaria. Verse 15, when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, that they might have an encounter like they had in Acts chapter 2 and in Acts chapter 4. Verse 16, because the Holy Spirit had not come on any of them. There it is. Greek word epi, on any of them. The Spirit in you is now the Spirit that comes on you. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Look at 17. Peter, John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on the apostles' hands, he pulled out his pocketbook and he offered them money. And he said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. I mean, it doesn't say it, but most Bible scholars believe it's inferred it, that there was something outward he heard or saw to make him say, I want this. Let me buy this. I believe they were speaking in glossolalia, tongues, an outward sign or an outward evidence of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Come now to Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, they're in Cornelius' house. I want to read verse 44 to 48. Well, Peter is still speaking these words. He's preaching. He's preaching in Cornelius' house. The Holy Spirit came on all. Spirit came on all. Epi, who heard the message. 45, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter, the Jewish circumcised believers who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they, how did they know? How did they know the Spirit come on them? They heard them speaking in glossolalia, tongues, and praising God. 
Then Peter said, surely, this is 47, no one can stand in the way of them being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them a few days. Let me read verse 15 to 17 now of Acts chapter 11, where Peter explains what happened in Acts 10. Verse 15, 16, 17, Acts 11, verse 15. He says, as I began to speak, I mean, as I began to preach, the Holy Spirit came on them as he came on us at the beginning. Wouldn't it be cool right now, middle of this message, windows of heaven opened up and Holy Spirit was poured over this place. Somebody say, bring it on. Bring it on. Peter says, I I was just preaching. I I was just speaking. And the Holy Spirit came on them as He came on us at the beginning, verse 16. Then I remembered, it came back to my mind, what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with or in the Holy Spirit. Verse 17, so if God gave them the same gift as He gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Church, we got to get out of the way so God can get in our way and pour out the Holy Spirit. We want the supernatural to smother the natural. One more scripture, and then I'm going to wrap it up with some applications. Some of you are getting nervous, like, my goodness, he hasn't even gotten to the notes. These are the notes. I'm reading the menu. I'm setting the table. Then I'm going to ring the dinner bell. And we're going to believe for an outpouring of Holy Spirit. All right, Acts 19, 1-7. When Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, everybody say Paul, one, two, three, Paul, took the road through the interior, arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. He finds some believers in Ephesus. They were already believers. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, I need to tell you, the Greek word that's been translated here, when, is better translated in the original Greek, since. Did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? Paul was asking them, did you have the encounter that happened in Acts chapter 2? Did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? They answered, no. We've not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. We've not heard this teaching. This is foreign to us. And to some of you this morning, you're going, this is foreign to me. Mark, you are unpacking some new truths. Look at verse 3. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Verse 4. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is Jesus. Verse 5. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 6. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit, epi, came on them. And they spoke in tongues. And they prophesied. There's about 12 men in all. You see, I have read the menu this morning. And the truth is, when you become a believer, you get Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit indwells you. But now, the Spirit that indwells you, who's in you, comes on you and empowers you. And so I want to take you to our final moments today. And I want you to look at your notes. And I just want to give you two quick things. And they're both important. Number one, I want to talk to you for briefly about the, the what. 
The what of spirit baptism. What, what is this? If I can boil spirit baptism down to two things, I would say these two things. And these two things, number one's important, but number two is more important. You need number one, but really we're going towards number two. Number one, write this in your notes. The what of spirit baptism. Greater spiritual intimacy with God. That is for me. That is the receiving. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's a greater spiritual intimacy with God. Now, I couldn't wait to show you this. Please look at verse 5 again. Acts 1, verse 5. We've already read it. John baptized with water. A few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Baptized, immersed, smothered, clothed. It's when the, the supernatural covers the natural. And you see, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit covers you and smothers you and clothes you. The Spirit that's in you is now the Spirit that comes upon you. Now, 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 I'm talking about a greater spiritual intimacy. I, I tell you, this just became so revelational to me. I've read this so many times. But come now to Acts chapter 2, verse 2. Because there's three things that you see in verse 2 and verse 3 and verse 4 that happened in that Pentecost when the Spirit was poured out. It says there's suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They didn't see the wind. You don't see the wind, but you hear the wind. You hear the sound of the wind. Here's what I've learned. Once I was baptized, in the Holy Spirit, it changed my spiritual perception and I begin to hear the voice of God more clear. Let me ask a question. How many people want to hear more clearly the voice of God? Anybody today? Anybody want to hear the voice of God more clear? Many people come and say, I, I don't know the voice of God. Mark, I don't know what the will of God is for my life. I don't know. I don't hear His voice of God. You need a fresh outpouring of Holy Spirit on you and it will change your hearing perception and you will more clearly hear the voice of the living God. But there's more. Not just will you hear the sounds of the voice of God. It says they saw cloven tongues of fire that came to rest on each of them. It changed what they heard and it changed what they saw. That's why Joel said, in the last day, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy. And your young man, your old man will dream dreams. And your young man will see visions. When the Spirit comes on you, it doesn't just help you to hear His voice more clearly. It helps you to see His purposes more plainly. You'll begin to hear God's sounds and see God's sights. How many people want to see and know what God has for your life? I do. That's why I need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But there's more with intimacy. It doesn't just change your hearing perception. It doesn't just change your seeing perception. It changes your feeling perception because all of them, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. I've got people tell me all the time, I don't feel the presence of God. I feel like God is a thousand miles away. I'll tell you what you need. You need a fresh outpouring of Holy Spirit on you. It will give you greater intimacy. It is for you as He does something in you. Somebody give a little shout of amen, praise the Lord, or hallelujah. So the first thing is greater spiritual intimacy. Paul picks it up in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, 27, where Paul says, The Spirit intercedes through me through groans that I don't understand. I was 12 years of age, Pentecostal camp, just like you saw on the screen, baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
And I now have a glossolalia, a prayer language that every day I get up, I pray in my heavenly language. I don't know always how to pray, but I'm glad I could pray in my heavenly language. Spiritual greater intimacy. It'll change what you hear, you see, you feel. And you now have a spirit-filled prayer language. Pray in the spirit. But there's more. There's more. And I'll tell you why there's more. Because in Matthew 17, Jesus was transfigured. Peter, James, John saw it. You remember the story. And they're like, this is so cool. Jesus, you're here. Let's build a few shelters and let's stay on the mountain and receive. And Jesus says, no, get off the mountain and get in the city. The power of the Holy Spirit is not just for us to receive. It's for God to do something on us and in us so he can do something through us to win this city, this nation, this world. For Jesus Christ. Please shout amen right now. All right. Number one, greater spiritual intimacy. Number two, write this in your notes, greater spiritual power. Everybody say power. Power. Come on, everybody say power. One, two, three. Power. It's dunamis. Greater spiritual intimacy with God is for me, but greater spiritual power from God is something that he wants to do through me. Acts 1.8, we read it, you will receive power, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now let's come to Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, verse 2, what were they doing? They were seated as they received. But when you come to Acts chapter 11, Peter was standing when he gave. You see, the Holy Spirit gives you a greater spiritual intimacy. Let's recap it. It will give you a better spiritual perception to hear what God is saying, to see what God wants you to see, and to feel his presence greater, but it also will change what you say. And Peter stood up, and he changed his position, and he preached with boldness a spirit-inspired message, 3,000 people saved. Church, I need, and you need, Holy Spirit to come upon us every single day. Here it is. Tomorrow, today, tonight, this week, you're going to meet people who don't know Jesus. I pray every time I'm talking to someone who doesn't know Jesus, I say, underneath my breath, Holy Spirit, come upon me right now and give me the words to say to them. Have you ever opened your mouth and said something and thought, where did that come from? I'm up here preaching many Sundays, and I memorize my sermon, but you don't know this. Often when I'm preaching... I don't know where it's coming from. Well, I know where it's coming from. I know it's not coming from me. It's the Holy Spirit speaking through me. You see, glossolalia, that evidence, here it is, is a prophetic confirmation of a prophetic anointing for a prophetic proclamation. It's the anointing that comes on you that's confirmed through that heavenly language, but it's always meant for a prophetic proclamation. We need the dunamis power to come on us so that we can reach this city, so that we can see signs and wonders that would follow, so that the sick would be healed, so that the, those that don't know Jesus would be saved. I'm praying that there would be such a revival that this building cannot contain what God Almighty wants to do so we can do it in our own flesh in our own might or we can say not by my might not by my power but by his spirit says the Lord I'm praying that God would pour out 
His Holy Spirit and cover us and clothe us with the dunamis power from on high that He would order your words, that you would speak God-inspired words, not just a greater spiritual intimacy to change what you hear and see and feel, but a power to direct your speech so that you won't just be a witness, but you would witness God-inspired words. Somebody, 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 somebody shout Amen. I love reading books, but I want the power of the Holy Spirit. I want the supernatural to function and flow in this place. Somebody, somebody, somebody shout Amen. So there's, there's the what. You want your prayer life to be changed? You want to know more of the will of God? Do you want to be a better witness for Jesus? Do you want to be used greater for God? You need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit today. Happened when I was 12, but every day I get up, you know what I say? Spirit of God, baptize me again. Soak me in the Holy Spirit. Wow. I'll take you to number two. We're almost done. The how. This is the practice. Number two, the how is spirit baptism. I'm going to go real quick, and there's just three things. How can we experience this? Number one, number one, something you and I need to do. You need to pursue Jesus. This is something that I do. And I, every scripture I read, they were pursuing Jesus. They were praising. They were worshiping. They were hearing the word of God. You want to pursue Jesus? Worship him. Praise him. Listen to his word. I mean, quite often, we read, as the preacher was preaching, the Holy Spirit came down. It's almost like you're going to have a collision with Jesus, get close to Jesus. When I was a boy, and it was Christmas time, I got real close to my dad, and we'd be in the store, and I'd say, that looks good, buy that for me. I want to get real close to the giver of the gift. If you want, you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, get close to the giver, Jesus. Now, I wish I had two glasses in my hand, and I don't. But if I had one glass full of water, that's Jesus. And this glass is empty, it's me. And the Spirit, Jesus, and me, Clyde, water will fly up and come down. I'm praying that there will be a Holy Ghost collision with Jesus today. That you would press in and you would pursue Jesus. He wants to fill you more than you can imagine. He wants to fill you so that He can use you. The first what is the receiving greater spiritual intimacy. The second what is the giving greater spiritual power, and it starts by us pursuing Jesus. That's what we do. Number two, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. I promise you. You can take that to the bank. Holy Spirit will come upon you. That's something that only He can do. I mean, every scripture I read, they pursued Jesus, the Spirit came. Now, we all respond differently. For example, if I went and we took a light socket, a, a, a light switch, and I took the framework off and I, I opened the wires, I said, illustration, everybody line up, everybody's going to touch the live wire. Some of you are going to touch the live wire and go, wow, that was really powerful. <laughs> Others of you are going to touch and go, whoa! Right? We all respond differently. Same power, different response. My father doesn't have a lot of emotion when he was alive. I could see him. When the glory fell in our service, I knew God was moving when his finger would be on the front pew in front of him and he'd be doing this. I thought, wow. Holy Spirit is moving in this service. Daddy is tapping his finger on the front pew. 
And he's singing. He had the worst voice ever. God was moving. Not my mama. (laughs) You've seen my mom, haven't you, Evelyn? When the Spirit of God come on her, she's a shaker. And she would just she would just be just taking it all in. And she's in the service getting blessed by God, and my dad's going. I don't care if you're a shaker, a stomper. I just pray that you'd be open to the Holy Spirit coming upon you. Church, you pursue him, he will come upon you. He will come upon you. Then there's number three. Number three, this, this is the last one. And then I'm going to ring the dinner bell. Pursue Jesus. Holy Spirit will come on you. Number three, you would then begin to speak Spirit-inspired words. Acts 2 says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And church, this is something that we do together. It's your voice, your vocal cords, but it's His script. If you're French, forget French. If you're English, forget English. If you're Spanish, forget Spanish. Open your mouth and let the Spirit speak through you. How will you know that you've been baptized except there's a universal evidence? What he has chosen is glossolalia. And so church, I want you to trust him today. There's an amazing scripture in the Gospel of Luke chapter 11 that I want to close with. And before I read this, I want to say to you, if you can trust Jesus to give you a heavenly language that you don't know, how much more can you trust him to speak your earthly language that you do know? It says in Luke chapter 11, which of you fathers, how many of your dads, if you're a dad, lift up your hand. I want to see your dad, dad hand. How many of your dads, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Hey, Dad, can I have a fish? No problem, son. Here's a snake. You don't do it. If he asks for an egg, you give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Just a moment, we're going to pursue Jesus. And we're going to believe that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon us today. And every one of us today, whether you've never been baptized or baptized before, that we'd have a fresh outpouring of Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me this morning? Every head is bowed. Everyone's eyes are closed. Even before I ring the dinner bell, if you will, and open this altar as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, You're standing here today or you're watching on live streaming and if today was the day that you died and you stepped into eternity, do you know that you're going to heaven? Are you positive you're going to heaven? Was there a time, a place that you asked Jesus into your life? I'm not going to belabor this moment, but if you're standing here today and you've never asked Christ in your life, I want to lead you in a prayer and we're going to join you. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. I have decided to follow Jesus. I receive you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Open your eyes. Celebrate salvation.
You prayed that prayer for the first time in just a few moments on your way out. Go to the follow wall. We have a Bible for you. It's in the lobby. You see the word follow. We got a little booklet for you. It's free. When I read the book of Acts, they got saved. They got baptized in water. They got baptized in the Holy Spirit. You see, they got baptized in water as a sign that they were saved. But they knew if they're going to reach their communities for Jesus, they need the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And church, we need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There's a hunger in the house. And I want to tell you as your pastor, I'm so thirsty. And I'm so hungry. And I've been praying that Jesus would freshly baptize me in the Holy Spirit this morning. I want and I need a fresh Pentecostal encounter. And I believe every one of us in this room need a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, I believe right now, wants to pour out His Spirit upon everyone in this place. A man, the woman, our sons, our daughters, the grandmas, the grandpas, the adults. He wants to pour out His Spirit on you. What Joel prophesied about in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit. John the Baptist preached and Jesus promised and the early church experienced and you and I can experience it today just like you saw on the screen this morning the early forefathers of our movement were hungry for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and if we're going to see revival in Ottawa and in Canada and in our lives and in our church and in our family we need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and I've been praying this week that there would be a Holy Ghost collision with you and I and Jesus and the cup of the Spirit would be poured out on us and He would smother us with the Holy Spirit. Somebody, somebody say amen. So, I've read the menu and I've now set the table. Ding, ding, ding. I'm ringing the dinner bell. If you want a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, as Pastor Brad begins to lead us, I want you to leave where you're standing and come and stand at this altar if you're thirsty for more and you want a divine collision with Jesus and you want His Spirit to freshly come upon you today. Oh, I want you to come and stand and lift your hands. Come on, Mom. Come on, Dad. Come on, Grandma. Come on, Grandpa. Come on, young person. Come on, board member. Come on, church. You want a fresh outpouring of Holy Ghost. Lift your hands. Let's sing it as the cry of our heart as Pastor Brad leads us.
standing at the front, lift your hands as high as you can to Jesus. And I want you to not think of your natural language this morning, but I want you to simply, as your hands are lifted, say, Jesus, baptize me. We're not seeking the gift, we're seeking the giver. We're seeking Jesus. But there is going to be a prophetic confirmation of a prophetic anointing. But it's for a prophetic proclamation. We need greater intimacy so that it would change the way we hear, the way we see, the way we feel. It will change our perception, but it will change our position. There's going to be more confidence, more boldness. There's going to be an anointing of God. I want our pastoral team and our board members and our prayer team to come and join me. And all across this place. Lift your hands. Let's believe for a fresh outpouring of Holy Spirit on everyone this morning. Sing it again. said in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh upon your sons and your daughters your old man will dream dreams your young man will see visions even upon your servants I will pour out my spirit I'm here to tell you that God wants to baptize you more than you can ever imagine. He's not here to trick you. He's not here to give you a scorpion or an egg. He's here to give you the outpouring of His Holy Spirit. And as your pastor, I need a fresh outpouring of Holy Spirit. Come on, come on. He's filling people right now. Forget about English. Forget about French. Forget about Spanish. You will know that you receive this outpouring as you begin to speak God-inspired words. You'll begin to speak more than likely in a heavenly language. It's God's sign that He's chosen. You will
will know that you've been baptized. Come on, pursue Jesus. Pursue Jesus. Pursue Jesus. Let there be a spiritual God collision and an outpouring of Holy Spirit. Sing it again. Sing it again. Sing it again. saying to me that there's some of you right now you're thinking Mark I, 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 this is, I've been a believer for so long it's not going to happen it's not happened yet and I say to you why not now why not here why not right today there's some of you right now you blocked it out and said I've come to this altar so many times Mark it's not happened I believe the Lord is saying this is the day this is the you can't earn it you can't buy it you can't earn it you can't buy it just open your heart Jesus wants to fill you more than you can ever imagine but I feel the Lord saying to me there's some of you like Mark Pastor Mark I'm just a new believer I mean, I mean, I'm not ready for this church. I, I, when I read the New Testament, they got saved. They got baptized in water. They didn't wait for 10 years to get baptized in water. And they, they sought the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe I saw a lady get saved and 10 seconds later get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And she's a pastor in, in our assemblies. And I, I was there in the church when she got saved in a Sunday night service. Right in the back. And within 10 seconds, she got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then she got baptized in water and now she's in ministry today I'll tell you church whether you've been saved for one minute or 90 years Jesus wants to baptize you freshly with his Holy Spirit amen so I'm, I'm just going to pray and after I pray I, I got to be sensitive to the time and I know there's children's and the children's programs but pastor after I pray we're not done these people want to stay they can stay so Jesus thank you for this morning I believe that I've been faithful to reading the menu. 
I believe I've been faithful to unpacking the spiritual teaching, the biblical teaching. And now, God, I don't want to get in the way. I just want to get out of the way. And I just say, Spirit, come. Jesus, pour out your Holy Spirit. I pray it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, Brad, lead us, lead us. Yeah.